Lesson today comes from the third chapter of John. There was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a Jewish leader. He came to Jesus at night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could do these miraculous signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered, I assure you, unless someone is born anew, it's not possible to see God's kingdom. Nicodemus asked, how is it possible for an adult to be born? It's impossible to enter the mother's womb for a second time and be born, isn't it? Jesus answered, I assure you, unless someone is born of water and the spirit, it's not possible to enter God's kingdom. Whatever is born of the flesh is flesh, and whatever is born of the spirit is spirit. Don't be surprised that I said to you, you must be born anew. God's spirit blows wherever it wishes. You hear its sound, but you don't know where it comes from or where it is going. It's the same with everyone who is born of the Holy Spirit. Nicodemus said, how are these things possible? Jesus answered, you are a teacher of Israel and you don't know these things? I assure you that what we speak and what we know and testify about, we have seen, but you don't receive our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things and you don't believe, how will you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has gone up to heaven except the one who came down from heaven, the human one. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so that the human one, so must the human one be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him won't perish, but will have eternal life. God didn't send his son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. O Lord, let the words of my mouth and the thoughts and meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. For you, O Lord, are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So as a parent of, of children um, who have been on the younger age recently, when I hear the word curious, like in the sermon today, my first thought was about a little monkey named Curious George. And, and I was thinking, I, I love reading Curious George. And what I realized as I began reading those books more and more um, the past few years was that Curious George, like all he wants to do is learn things. He just wants to explore everything. He's not trying to get into trouble. And I think those books are not really written for the children, but for the grown-ups reading them to the children who realize that their little toddlers are but monkeys. And they're good little monkeys who are always very curious, as the line says at the beginning of everyone. But maybe it's so that the parent doesn't pull their hair out um, when the toddler has thrown everything all around once again, like George does in so many of those books and episodes. Nicodemus, we learned today, was a Pharisee. Even more, Nicodemus was a leader among the Pharisees, but he comes to Jesus with some curiosity. At the very least, Nicodemus came to Jesus to speak directly with him as opposed to just believing or hearing the hearsay about him. And Jesus changes the entire conversation with Nicodemus 
and redirects it. Nicodemus was either showing off his knowledge to Jesus or going to Jesus undercover to not be seen with him, especially by the other Pharisees and leaders. He wants to tell Jesus, Rabbi, we know you're a teacher. No one could do these miraculous signs. Jesus has just turned water into wine in the Gospel of John. And Jesus says, to, says this to Nicodemus in response. I assure you, unless someone is born anew, it's not possible to see God's kingdom. Of course, Nicodemus is confused by that statement. Nicodemus heard born again in that word that Jesus said. Jesus' words could mean born again. They could also mean born from above, or as this translation I read today says, born anew. Nicodemus is stuck on a literal plane. It's like trying to explain symbolism to a kid whose brain can't get symbolism quite yet. This week with our kids, we were doing a Lent devotional one night together, and, and, and we, we read the parable of the soils. And there's the thorny soil and the rocky soil and the good soil. And, and at the end, we kind of left that question open of what kind of soil do you feel like you are? And they were still stuck on what would happen to the plants in thorny and rocky soil. It's not because they're dumb. It's just because their brains can't yet get that level of symbolism. And Nicodemus, too, is stuck on that plane. He could not go with Jesus to the deeper level. In the Gospel of John, we are learning not only how to see Jesus, but we are learning how to see the world through the eyes of Jesus. In the Gospel of John, all throughout it, two things can be true at once. For instance, Nicodemus came to Jesus at night. Now that can mean a couple things for the Gospel of John. First, literally, right? Nicodemus went, Nicodemus went to Jesus at night. Like it was nighttime. It was dark outside. We get that. But in the first chapter of the gospel of John, it talks about, it talks about coming into the light and that Jesus came to bring light into the darkness. And so there's a symbolic level, a second level going on here where Nicodemus was not yet in the light. He did not believe in the name of Jesus yet. He was in the dark, and he didn't recognize the true light who was coming into the world. In this life of faith in Jesus, two things can be true at once. This happens all of the time for us in our life of faith. We believe in one God who is constantly in relationship as three persons, two things at the same time, we believe we are saved by grace alone and that faith without works is dead. Two things at the same time. Well, Nicodemus is confused about how the mechanics of being born again would happen, which I understand would be confusing. Jesus continues on. He tells Nicodemus that in order to enter God's kingdom, a person must be born of water and the spirit. Jesus goes into a deeper explanation about the Spirit's activity, right? And before this in John 2, John the Baptist said, one who is coming after me will baptize you with water and with the Holy Spirit. He essentially drives Nicodemus into even further confusion at this point. 
Now, sometimes this just happens in the life of faith. When we think we have a handle on just how God works in the world, in some systematic order of just how it operates, Jesus tells us God's spirit blows wherever the spirit wishes. And sometimes we have to get to the point that Nicodemus gets to. In verse 9, when he says to Jesus, how are these things possible? Here's what I want you to hear today. That question, how are these things possible, is the turning point of faith. That question is the location of a faithful response to God. Here's what I mean. The Christian faith is not entirely an inherited faith. You are not a Christian because your parents and your grandparents were Christians. At some point, you have to decide if this faith is going to be your own. Now, we all go through seasons where we identify as Christians because our parents do or because we don't know what else to do, and that's okay. But this is why I love working with teenagers and talking with them about faith. They often get to this point. How are these things possible? Now, when you're at the point of saying, how are these things possible, when talking about the inner working of God, it doesn't feel good. It feels like your world is spinning upside down. You start to wonder if everything you ever heard about God and everything your parents told you about God and your Sunday school teachers and your vacation Bible school leaders, if that was all just a crock and if it wasn't really true. But my encouragement is when you're at that point of how are these things possible to stay curious. The questions are good. The conversation around those questions is good. It's holy even because here's what happens. Nicodemus moves in his life and we see it throughout the Gospel of John. Nicodemus moves from a curious, curious Pharisee questioning who's not really in the light to someone who is a defender of Jesus to a disciple who helps to bury Jesus' body after his crucifixion. Follow with me. In John 7, verse 47, it says this. The Pharisees replied, have you too been deceived? Have any of the leaders believed in Jesus? Has any Pharisee? No, only this crowd which doesn't know the law, and they are under God's curse. Nicodemus, who was one of them and had come to Jesus earlier, said, our law doesn't judge someone without first hearing him and learning what he is doing, does it? They answered him, you are not from Galilee too, are you? Look it up and you will see that the prophet does not come from Galilee. Nicodemus has moved beyond curiosity at this point. And finally at Jesus' burial in John 19, verse 38, after this, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate if he could take away the body of Jesus. Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but a secret one because he feared the Jewish authorities. Pilate gave him permission, so he came and took the body away. Nicodemus, the one who at first had come to Jesus at night, was there too. He brought a mixture of myrrh and aloe, nearly 75 pounds in all. Following Jewish burial customs, they took Jesus' body and wrapped it with the spices in linen cloths. So Nicodemus 
has moved to a point of being a true follower, a true disciple of Jesus at his burial, far from where he was in this section in chapter 3. The, curio- the curiosity of Nicodemus didn't stop him, hardly. The curiosity drove Nicodemus to follow Jesus. In a children's book series, because apparently that's what was in my head this week, called Ada Twist Scientist, where Ada learns about the scientific method, and the books are really fun, and they're great. But, but this is how the book opens. It says, she asked a small question, and then she asked two. And each of those led her to three questions more, and some of those questions resulted in four. As Ada got thinking, she really dug in. She scribbled her questions and tapped on her chin. Now, Ada Twist is about the scientific method and being curious and discovering things, but also I think what she's describing describes the life of faith Questions and curiosity are not anti-faith, hardly. Questions and curiosity should be a part of faith. They often spur us into a deeper life of faith. Somewhere along the way, somehow, some way in our culture, people started to say that you should always be sure of exactly all of the things that you believe. They should be cemented down and you should have them all completely figured out. That's what being strong in your faith, quote unquote, means. But then what happens to people when they reach some point where the questions are big? What happens oftentimes is they feel like they have to leave the community of faith or there's not room for their questions in the church. And friends, what I'm here to tell you is that those questions are the very things that drove Nicodemus into a deeper life of faith. Those questions that stir up in us that make us feel a little bit uncomfortable where we're not really sure exactly what the answer is and we have to kind of wrestle with it, it's that wrestling. If you have done that wrestling, the kind that the church leaders have called the dark night of the soul where you have to struggle a little bit with God, it's when we come out on the other side of that where we know more and understand more about who God is and how God works. This is where we get to. In order to see the world as it is, as God sees it, we have to be born from above. This is what gradually happened to Nicodemus. He went from curious all the way to a disciple. Maybe you need to move along with Nicodemus today. Maybe you need the permission to be curious about how God works in the world. In order to be born anew, to be born from above, to be born of water and the spirit, we have to experience a conversion of the imagination. We're invited to imagine again, to wonder like a child. We're invited to leave our pragmatic selves and experience the joy and the wonder of God where questions aren't stifling but creative, where curiosity helps us learn more about God's world and God's very person, where God would give God's only son because of the love that God has for the world. So blessed are you, the curious one, wondering aloud how God even works, wondering quietly if God is really here. May you find the freedom, delight, and the joy of childhood are all wrapped up in who God is and what God is like. 
And may you experience God's love that moves you to stick by Jesus, even when, even when you don't fully understand him. Amen.